city dwellers had a 20% higher risk of anxiety disorders and a 40% higher risk of mood disorders as compared to people in rural areas. Social contact with others has effects on the body that are more powerful than cigarette smoking and your cholesterol level. Everyone feels happier when they socialize, introverts included. The findings revealed that the quantity of social interactions you have at age 20, along with the quality of relationships that you have at age 30, can influence your happiness and well-being later in life. Almost two hours a day that the average person spends on social media. And if you project those figures out over a lifetime, they arrived at a total of five years and four months of your life on social media. You are here for a purpose, and if you fail to fulfill that purpose, you rob the world of your greatness. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, keep it right here, listening to the OPP, or visit naturalstacks.com. Quick reminder for you guys, from now until the end of June, Use the code SILTEPOPP, that is all capital letters, C-I-L-T-E-P-O-P-P. That will get you 50% off of your first month when you put SILTEP on subscription. Again, the code is SILTEPOPP. Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncie is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncie is the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncie's an innovator. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the OPP. I'm your host, Ryan Muncie. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning in and listening couple of housekeeping notes. Number one, make sure you go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. If we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with free Natural Stacks products. This week, we are hooking up Biohacker One. So this is from iTunes. Biohacker One says, awesome show, a top five podcast, great host, great topics, amazing guests. I look forward to it every Thursday. Two things. Now you don't have to wait till every Thursday. We're coming to you every Monday and every Thursday, twice a week. And Biohacker One, shoot me an email, ryan at naturalstacks.com. We'll hook you up with free product. These reviews really do help us. iTunes and other podcast directories use reviews, sort of like Amazon uses reviews to sort of determine you know, the, the quality of content. So if you listen to the show, if you like it, share it with people in your life who you know uh, will benefit from the things we're talking about, but also go to iTunes, take five minutes, leave us a review. We will read it on the air and we will reciprocate with free Natural Stacks products. All right, so this, this podcast, we're gonna go solo. Uh, it's just me. And we're gonna be talking about some research-backed methods to help you instantly boost happiness. Uh, we talked about sort of depression and happiness 
with Tate Fletcher on episodes 100 and 101. If you haven't heard those, definitely go back and listen to those. They were really powerful, really great episodes. We had a lot of feedback, a lot of questions uh, from you guys come back from those. And uh, specifically, the questions were around, you know, how do we implement this stuff on a daily basis? And I wanted to do this podcast for you guys to give you some of the things that I've been working on, some of the things that I found in research. Um, you know, I'm human, you're human, we're, we're all humans. Part of that human um, experience is, is struggling from time to time with happiness. I know that, that I struggle with mood and feelings and happiness, and I know a lot of you guys do too. It bothers me when I do because I know that I shouldn't or I feel like I shouldn't be struggling with those things. Uh, you know, when I look at my basic needs, they're, they're all met. You know, I wake up in the morning, I've got a roof over my head, I'm in a bed, I have food security. I'm not, you know, wondering where my meals are going to come from on that day. Uh, you know, I have an amazing wife with whom, you know, I'm sharing this journey. I have amazing career opportunities. There's no logical reason that I should wake up in a bad mood or, or feeling depressed. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. So I think that's where the questions were coming from. You know, um, you know, okay, we, we hear these things, we, we, we understand, you know, motivation and, and we hear this thing that gets us inspired. But, you know, a week later, I wake up on a random Wednesday and you know, I'm in a bad mood. Why? Why? What's going on here? Uh, what can I do to sort of right the ship and, and, and not feel that way on any given day? Uh, this is a phenomenon that fascinates me. Um, I've been diving into uh, the research behind mood and feelings and decisions and our physiology. When I spoke at the Biohacker Summit in Sweden, this was a portion of what I shared, sort of how to hack our physiology to change our feelings, to change our mood and you know, increase productivity, increase happiness, um, different things like that. So uh, I realize not everybody who listens to our podcast was able to be there for, uh, for that presentation. So I wanna get this out to you on the podcast so we can help as many people as possible. The cool thing about everything that I'm gonna present to you today is that it is free to use, it's simple, easy to implement. If you wanna call them biohacks, great, call them biohacks, uh, but these are things that will significantly increase your mood and your overall happiness, both short-term and long-term. I can tell you that, you know, when I started to see these things kind of pop up, uh, if I audit my life and look back at the times where I was maybe dealing with the most feelings of depression or having more of those down days than, uh, than I would like to have, there was an imbalance in one of these five areas. And I'm sure if you audit your life, you will find that your times of uh, the most happiness include most of these five. Your times, uh, the times in your life where you have uh, the most down days or the least happiness, however you wanna you know, uh, pigeonhole that or describe it, um, you know, you're gonna have either really good balance in these areas or uh, you know, really high levels of imbalance. So when you look at these five things and you build them into your life, you can expect, you know, greater passion for life, more creativity, more energy. Uh, your, your vibes will skyrocket, your, your bliss. Um, you know, you'll have fewer of those down days. And I think that's what it's all about. Uh, okay, so we'll get right into them. I'm gonna give you the five and then we'll go through them one by one. And uh, I'll, I'll share with you some of the science and research behind each one. So. Here they are. Number one, get outside. Number two, move. 
move frequently, move daily. Number three, socialize. Number four, ditch social media. Number five, ditch the things that drain you, right? And as I said before I listed those, you can see right away that these are five things you can do without spending any money. You don't have to go buy tools or technology or gadgets. These are things that you have complete control over. You can implement them into your life any day and every single day. And I promise you, if you audit the times in your life where you felt the least happy or the most depressed, chances are there was a lack of balance in one of these five areas. All right, so let's go through these one at a time. Number one, get outside. It's no coincidence that we use sunny days or cloudy days or, or sunshine and clouds as analogies or symbols for happiness and mood. There are so many studies that link sunshine to happiness. We're going to run through these one by one. And, and real quick, as we go through this, I'm going to go through the studies kind of quickly. Make sure you go to the Natural Stacks blog post for this episode if you want to see the studies. Every single study will be linked on the blog post for this. It's a great blog post, tons of studies. Like I said, share that on social media with people. So, you know, the first study reports that our brains produce more of the feel-good hormone serotonin on sunny days than we do on cloudy days. And that links sunshine to mood. So, you know, I think we all sort of feel like that. Like when we have cloudy days, you know, uh, it's kind of gloomy, it's kind of cloudy, I'm kind of down. But there is actually evidence that we produce less serotonin on those days. So there is something going on there. Obviously, we want to try to overcome that. I think that's an external factor. You know, if, if we're letting a cloudy day ruin our mood, there's a little bit more going on in our lives. I think I'd like to think that we're stronger and more resilient and can overcome that. But you cannot change the fact that you do produce less serotonin on those days. I think that's really interesting science there. Another study, this one is from Zayed University in the United Arab Emirates, linking sun exposure to positive moods. There's a strong correlation there, more sun exposure, greater moods. The cool thing with this study is that there was a stronger connection to retinal, uh, meaning your eyes, sun exposure than to skin. And we know skin absorbs sunlight, produces vitamin D, but this was an interesting study that showed if we ditch our sunglasses and expose our retina to sunlight that we do have an even greater impact on our mood. This supports a lot of the recommendations from quantum biologist and super biohacker Jack Cruz, who we know is a proponent of sunlight in general, but he especially likes to talk about exposing ourselves to early morning sun because that is linked to circadian rhythm resets, mitochondrial enhancement, and even a dopamine release. Another study linked decreased sun exposure to decreases in vitamin D and increases in depression. A fourth study linked sun exposure to endorphin releases and healthy immune systems. So we know when we get those feel-good hormones and endorphins from exercise, you know, that our mood is boosted. We also now know that we can get that uh, endorphin release from sun exposure. Staying outside but away from a focus on sun, time in nature, also known as the great outdoors, increases happiness. Lots of studies on that. Another study from Stanford University found that city dwellers have a 20% higher risk of anxiety disorders 
and a 40% higher risk of mood disorders as compared to people who live in rural areas. More time in nature, more exposure to nature is going to decrease our risk for anxiety disorders and mood disorders. Those same subjects, same Stanford study, subjects who spent 90 minutes in nature showed decreased activity in a region of the brain associated with a key factor in depression. So really, really strong ties there to getting outside, being in nature and imp improving or increasing happiness. Time outdoors is so powerful that a single 20 minute walk in nature improves mental performance. All right. And that's, a, that's from a completely different study. And then another study, which was a follow-up to that one, this study was from the university of Michigan found that simply looking at nature pictures improves mental performance. So if you're stuck in an office, you can't get outside, you can't go for a walk, look at nature pictures, you know, have it set on your, your, screensaver or your desktop or go on naturalgeographic.com or, or something and just looking at nature pictures for 10 minutes can actually improve uh, mental performance so bottom line guys get outside don't overthink it don't immediately try to quantify it or measure it just spend more time outdoors all day early in the day late in the day midday breaks uh, one of the things I've been doing recently is starting my day with five minutes outside. I wake up, I get something to drink, my detox drink or, or exogenous ketones, depending on the day. While my coffee is brewing, I walk outside. I'm grounding, so I'm barefoot, I'm in the grass, I'm touching a tree, and I'm staring towards the sun. I'm, I haven't built up to staring at it yet, but I'm trying to get that early morning retinal sunshine. Uh, this is all within an hour of sunrise. We all wake up with this huge list of things in our head and these, these things that are you know, on our to-do list. But if you get outside within five minutes of waking up or 10 minutes, it has a very powerful way of reminding you how big the world is outside of your head, your to-do list, your little world. Um, you know, so, so I think that's a really powerful thing and, and you know, that can really help us with our happiness. Uh, but just getting outside, there's something cool about being outside early in the day, early in the morning. Um, for me, so I do that and then it's hit the cold shower and then I do the number one thing on my priority list for that day. My day is already one. We'll talk about that in a few minutes when we look at some of these other things. If you can't or don't want to get outside early in the day, take a walk at your lunch break. Take phone calls on your headset and, and walk outside, get out of the office, get up, move around. Uh, swap 30 minutes of TV in the evening to take a walk or sit outside, watch the sunset. If you're noticing a trend here with walking, that's because movement is also linked to increased moods and that is number two on our list. Move more, locomote. Humans are bipedal creatures. We have two legs. We're one of the only species on this planet that has two legs. We are designed to cover large distances. We're meant to move a lot and frequently. Uh, with the rise of all these fitness trackers, we know that the number of steps that we take in a given day is correlated to all-cause mortality. We had Dr. Andrew Hill, a neuroscientist and, and gerontology expert. That means he's an expert in aging. He told us that 7,000 steps a day should be our minimum. If you're using a fitness tracker and you're aiming for 10,000, whatever that number is, seven or 10,000 steps per day, is a minimum threshold. It's not the I'm healthy threshold, it's the I've mitigated my risk of dying early threshold. So move, move, move. We know movement impacts mood. Here are a few studies, tons, tons and tons of research 
linking sedentary behaviors to depression. Again, all of these are going to be on the blog post for this. Uh, Chinese researchers found that sedentary people were 25% more likely to experience feelings of depression. Uh, another study found that sedentary lifestyles do not actively promote the release of serotonin. There's that neurotransmitter again. It is the neurotransmitter responsible for fear, mood, anxiety. And if we are sedentary and we're not producing it as much as we should, then it makes sense that we're going to feel more anxiety, decreased moods, more fear. Um, you know, and there's no coincidence that most antidepressants are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, which increase circulating levels of serotonin. Um, another study, sedentary lifestyles compromise normal, healthy physiological function. Uh, that was actually a meta-analysis. And again, it linked on the blog post for this. So a few action items here for you, sticking with our natural stacks theme, you know, we like to stack or combine several things for a synergistic effect. So take a walk, hike outdoors, combine movement and outdoors, movement and nature. And if you can do it with friends to increase social connections, now you're stacking three of the most powerful natural antidepressants, okay? And we'll talk about friends and socialization in just a second. One piece of advice on movement, don't confuse your training with play. Training is still movement, but our training are the things that focuses on an end goal. Uh, you know, if it's to increase your strength, if it's to reduce body fat, if it's winning your jujitsu tournament, you know, when you go to jujitsu practice or when you go to the gym to strength train, or when you perform some act of metabolic disruption to, you know, with the uh, specific intent to reduce body fat, Yes, that's still movement, but it's training. Your mental approach to that is completely different than if you're just moving for the sake of play. You know, picture a kid out playing, they're smiling. It's a completely different mental experience for a kid to play tag or wiffle ball than it is for an adult to go to the gym and do Orange Theory because they feel like they have to get that workout in, right? Um, you know, so, so for us adults, it could be things like breakdancing or surfing, unless, of course, those are your competitive arenas. Uh, but when it comes to play, just think, be free, liberate, it, liberate yourself, liberate what you're doing. Uh, don't measure, don't quantify, don't try to count everything. Um, keep in mind, yes, formal workouts do help and they are necessary and required to make progress in whatever that pursuit is. Um, but that's why I say don't confuse that with play. You know, and again, if you're thinking, what is play? How do I play? Uh, go back and check out the podcast we did last week with Charlie Hone. Amazing episode on the power of play, how to do more of it, and what sorts of things you should be doing. I think one of the big takeaways from Charlie on that one was to think about the activities that you did as a child. What did you enjoy doing? You know, because that's who you are, and, and that's the type of stuff that you would enjoy as an adult as play. All right, number three, socialize. Humans are social animals. One study found that people who spend six to eight hours a day socializing are 12 times more likely to be happy. Uh, that one blew me away. Uh, I, I would be hard pressed to say that I spend six to eight hours a day socializing and I really can't imagine too many adults are spending six or eight hours a day socializing, which 
would make sense when you look at how prevalent anxiety disorders are and depression is in our society today. So again, people who spend six to eight hours a day socializing are 12 times more likely to be happy. Another study points out that we even have a special quote, love hormone called oxytocin that we release when we're around other people. This was a really cool study because they were actually looking at autistic people. What was interesting was that the autistic people may not experience this reward in social situations. You know, there, there's some sort of flaw or dysfunction in the way that they produce oxytocin. So in social situations, they're not getting that reward which would possibly explain why they don't enjoy socialization. So there's a lot of fascinating science and research going on in the world of oxytocin, social interaction, uh, happiness, mood, um, autism. If you wanna check out that line of research, again, linked on the blog post for this podcast. Another study found that everyone, even introverts, are happier uh, with social interaction. I consider myself an introvert. Uh, I know a lot of other introverts. We, there's tons of jokes online and, and we, we make all kinds of jokes amongst each other about introverts um, and, and how we like to avoid social interaction. Uh, the one thing that I would caution you, if you find yourself or classify yourself as an introvert, um, you know, try to make sure that you're not isolating yourself so much that you cut yourself off from all of that social interaction that we require to be happy. Another study, this was a 30-year study at the University of Rochester, advises that we form as many relationships as possible in our 20s and then in our 30s work to form deeper, uh, more rewarding relationships in our 30s. So more relationships in your 20s and deeper relationships and deeper connections in your 30s. Another study at UCLA concluded that social interaction, quote, has effects on the body that are more powerful than cigarette smoking. The magnitude is very strong. So the physiological impact on cortisol and stress hormones from social interaction um, was as powerful in magnitude as cigarette smoking. We all know cigarette smoking uh, impacts our health and our physiology. So it's very interesting to see that simply being around people can reduce stress, reduce cortisol um, as, as much as smoking impacts uh, our physiology in other ways. And contrary to what comedians will tell you, another study found that married people tend to be 10% happier than single people. So the bottom line here is we need social interaction. We're wired for it. And I just want to point something out. I, it, it sort of struck me that that these first three that we mentioned, this is also kind of why I grouped these three together. I think these are the most powerful, you know, getting outdoors, sunlight, nature, moving more, and social interaction. Humans have known for a long time how powerful these are. If you've ever seen a prison movie or a TV show, you'll know that the ultimate punishment for a prisoner is to throw them in the hole put them in solitary confinement. And this is something that people, humans have been doing as punishment for thousands and thousands of years. But we know that when a person is denied sunlight, denied the ability to move around, and denied social interaction, uh, that those are the fastest, most powerful ways to break someone's spirit. So make sure you're getting enough movement, enough social interaction, and enough outdoor time in your life. 
If you're not as happy as you want to be, look at those three areas. Number four, ditch social media. Let me preface this section by saying that social media has changed the world in many ways. I realize that many of those ways are extremely positive. And I will admit that social media has enabled me to connect with many like-minded people. All of you guys listening to this probably came across the podcast on social media. Um, I don't know if we want to call podcasting social media or not, but at any rate, I've met so many amazing people on social media and it has helped me form some of the most rewarding relationships that I have outside of my marriage. That said, social media is a slippery slope. There was a study published in March of 2017 from influencer marketing agency Media Kicks where they calculated the average time spent per day on the major social media channels, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter. The total was 116 minutes on social media every single day. That is four minutes shy of two hours. And that adds up to over five years and four months of our life. Two hours a day, five years of our lives on social media. We're gonna come back to that in just a second. But for now, a couple more studies. There's a second study found that more time on Facebook has been linked to increases in depressive symptoms. A third study found that an extra hour daily online increased children's unhappiness by 14%. And finally, a fourth report links social media usage to a 1.7 to 2.7 times increase in depression rates. So if you round 1.7 and 2.7 up, you're looking at a two to three times increase in depression rates linked to social media usage. So forget the depression links for a minute. I want to know how many of you start each, your, each of your days with a goal to spend two hours on social media? Do you really want to spend? Are you actively choosing? If you, if you could write out how you want to spend each year for the rest of your life, how many of you would write out, I want to spend five of whatever years I have allotted left in my life to watch other people on social media? I think that's a really powerful thing when you think about it or frame it in that context. Imagine what you could do with an extra two hours a day. Two hours a day is 10 to 14 hours a week. And again, it's five years of your life. You know, I, I looked into this a little bit when I saw this because it was so powerful when I read it, so eye-opening. In five years, you could climb Mount Everest 32 times. 32 times you could climb Mount Everest or fly to the moon and back 32 times. So the point is, you know, what are you trading? What are you giving up? What are you missing out on just to be on social media? And when you think about it that way, it's no wonder that it increases depression. And there's also the aspect of this that, you know, when you are on social media, when you're looking at what people post, you're looking at their highlights. You're looking at a carefully curated perspective of someone's life. It's not the actual experience, no matter how real we think it is. You're only seeing what people want you to see when you look at how they live and what they're doing on social media, okay? We know that, that social media is also insanely addictive. A recent study found that nearly 50% of Americans check their email and social media during the night 
and even more of them check their phones before their feet hit the ground in the morning. So that's my question to you right now is, are you checking email? Are you checking social media during the night? If you wake up in the night, do you check your phone? Uh, when your alarm goes off in the morning, are you looking at these things? Are you checking email or social media in bed before you even get out of bed in the day, before you start your day, before you handle your shit, are you looking at other people's shit? Are you looking at what they're doing? If you are, I'm not saying that that's the end of the world. I'm not condemning that. I just want you to be aware of it. Is that really how you want to spend your time? You know, how many of you, if you have a to-do list, if you have an agenda for the day, are you really writing the very first thing on your to-do list? Check social media, see what so-and-so said, see what so-and-so posted. You know, is that really the best use of your time? And when we talk about time, it's not that successful people have more time in their days or, or in their lives. It's that they spend and they use their time more wisely than, quote, unsuccessful people. You know, do you really think Oprah or Richard Branson check Facebook every two hours just to see how many likes their last post got? No, they're probably not checking email before their feet hit the ground in the morning either. They probably go to bed knowing what their most important priority is for the next day. And when they wake up, they're focused on getting that thing accomplished. They're focused on moving their mission forward, um, not checking their email inbox to see what fires they have to put out. So my point here is, you know, do, create, live your life, be in your experience, uh, not looking at other people's. Be aware of what you're doing. Limit or reduce social media. Ensure that it does not detract from your real life and your real experiences. So again, kind of touching on this practical advice, the night before, I always write down the one thing that is most important for me the next day. If I only get one thing done tomorrow, what is the one thing that will have the biggest impact on moving my mission forward? And I do that thing first thing every morning before I check email, before I check social media. So I, I told you I'm, I'm waking up, uh, I go outside for five minutes, I'm thinking about all the things I'm grateful for, I'm thinking about that one thing that I'm gonna get done today, and then I come inside, you know, I take my cold shower, I'm drinking my coffee, and I knock out that one thing. And it may be 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning by the time I'm finished with that. And then and only then do I check email or social media or things like that. Food for thought there. Last one, ditch what drains you. I realize that this may not be 100% possible for everyone, so this is about moving the needle on that spectrum. It's about trying to make as much progress here as you can. If you can go all in, great, do it. If you can't, move the needle as much as you can. But realize there are things that energize us, things that rejuvenate us, and then there are things that drain us. You all know the things that drain you. When we talk about things that energize us or rejuvenate us, sure, a day at the beach, a day at the spa, yeah, that rejuvenates us, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about work or your passion, the thing that you do that fuels you, the thing that is, is so deeply seated inside your soul. It's the thing that you could do for days and never get tired of doing it. I don't know what this is for you, so I'll use myself in this example. You know, for me, I know being at conferences, speaking, writing, getting to meet you guys, uh, recording podcasts, having amazing and powerful conversations, teaching, sharing. I can do this, you know, 12, 16 hours a day, four or five, six days in a row. 
and be absolutely ignited and fired up. And yeah, I'm tired at the end of the day and I'll sleep like a rock and I'll be exhausted, but I wake up and, and this has added to my life force. I'm, I'm fueled, I'm fired up, I'm passionate, and I'm ready to do it again the next day. It does not drain me. On the other hand, there are things that if, if you had to spend six hours a day doing whatever it is, you'd be beaten and, and you know drained and you would not want to wake up the next day and do it again. You know what that is in your life. Understanding these differences, being able to identify these things in your life will go a long way in helping you live your authentic life. You are here for a purpose. And if you fail to fulfill it, you rob the world of your greatness. So find that one thing and do it. Put it out there into the world. I want to share with you some advice that one of my mentors gave me. It's the same speech you hear on those airplane safety talks. Put your mask on first. You know, they say you know, if the plane runs out of oxygen or, or whatever, then the mask drops down. Put your mask on first. You cannot help others if you don't. And I know this sounds selfish, but it's not. The easiest way for me to kind of convey that, think about somebody like Bruce Springsteen. If he didn't pursue his true calling, yes, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. I love music in general, but Springsteen is my dude. If Springsteen didn't pursue his true calling, look at all the people who would miss out on the help that he's given them, the motivation, the, the comfort, the, the peace of mind, anything that you could get from you know what he's done, or the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. Michael Jordan, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, all of these people pursued their true calling, that thing that they were put on this earth to do. And think about how the earth would be different, how society would be different, how all of our lives would be different if they had not pursued that thing. So find your thing and go for it. Do not rob the world of your greatness. Ditch the things that add stress, de-stress, not eustress, and drain your life force. And again, if you can't ditch them completely, outsource or delegate where possible. Make an effort to reduce the amount of space that these activities occupy on your daily calendar. Time is our most valuable resource. We've got to get better at making best use of it. We've got to get better at spending that time wisely. The things that we do, the way that we choose to spend our time either give us energy or take energy from us. So seek to spend as much time as possible in pursuit of the things that energize you, your passion, your true calling. And after all, as this last study that we're going to mention tells us, happiness is the ability to pursue a calling. So find your purpose, find that thing that is greater than you, the thing that's going to be in your eulogy or on your tombstone when you're no longer here. Start creating your legacy now, make your impact on the world. If you have that, that, that you're thinking about every night and every morning when you wake up, I promise you happiness will be something that is, is a little bit easier to come by. And, and you won't be chasing happiness per se, but you'll be chasing your true purpose. And as the Taoists say, you know, we're not entitled to the fruit of our labor, only the labor itself. So find that thing that you're here to do and do it. All right, OPP peeps, that's it. This episode is complete. Couple of things for you. Got a tip that you wanna to add to this list? If I left something out, if there's something that you do to hack happiness or physiology or mood on any given day, please share it with us. We wanna hear it. Let me know your favorite soundbite or clip from this episode. Share it on social media with a screen grab of the podcast, tag Natural Stacks, 
tag Ryan Muncy underscore on Instagram and tag a friend who needs to hear this message. Let's get this podcast out and help as many people as possible. Uh, we will choose one lucky sharer to win free Siltep. And for the rest of you guys, Siltep OPP, all caps. That's the code. It's good until the end of June. It will get you 50% off your first month of subscription at naturalstacks.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the OPP. We will catch you guys next week. That's it.